Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John continues in the series entitled Heart Attacks. This is part number four, and it is subtitled Guarding Your Heart. And now here is Pastor John in today's message. Proverbs 4 and 23, we're reading from the New Living Translation. If you don't have it on on your wireless device or you didn't bring a Bible, then let me read it for you from the screen. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Let's pray together. Father, I just recognize today, God, that though I've done this hundreds of times, I don't know how to preach without you. And I don't want to. I don't know how to walk without you. I don't know how to breathe without you. Everything that I am, living and moving and having my being, is wrapped up in you. And I pray, Lord, that you would would quicken my mind and my words today. I pray that that as I speak your word, that, that people would hear your voice and not mine. And I pray that we would all recognize your word today and not just hear it, and not just learn it, and not just know it, but put it into practice so that our lives can be changed and we can be more conformed to your image, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we've spent the last several weeks talking about the ways the enemy tries to steal and kill and destroy us in a series called Heart Attacks. Heart Attacks attacks. Our hearts, our inner man is the seat of our soul and our spirit. Every thought we have, every decision we make, everything we feel emanates from our inner man, our mind, our will, and our emotions. So those, those attacks on our hearts come through the traumas and the tragedies and the trials of our lives. And, and, and Jesus said he came to set us free. He said he came to set people free from those things, to heal them, to deliver them, to uh, free them from the oppression and the bondage that's caused in our lives by those soul-crushing events. And so we've talked about those things. We talked about the symptoms. How do you know if you're being affected, if you have suffered from a heart attack? And, And then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the process of getting healed. Today, I want to focus on one last thing before we take a break from this topic, from this series. There's a ton more to say. I really think we could spend the rest of the year talking about issues related to uh, this topic, but it's deep and it's heavy, and you need time to process it. You need time to walk it out, to put it into practice in your life. But there's one more question I want to answer today before we, before we press pause on this series. People have said, John, now that I've gotten healed, how do I stay healed? How do I stay healed? I've heard from a lot of you who've, who've, uh, who have been healed from the, uh, some experiences or some areas that you had forgotten or that you had pushed aside or ignored. And so I'm just thrilled 
beyond words at the way the Lord is healing people and setting people free. Um, and so I, I can't even communicate how excited I am. But do you, do you realize that just because you get healed doesn't mean the enemy is going to stop attacking you? That, that he is, he's relentless. The attacks are still going to come. As a matter of fact, the attacks may come more furious and, more, and faster because you're healed and because he doesn't, he doesn't like to see Christians who are living in freedom. So, so he's going to continue to attack your heart. So after you get healed, how do you stay healed? Or in keeping with the scripture that we just read, how do you guard your heart? How do you guard your heart? So today we're going to talk about guarding your heart. Now I want you to notice, before we begin, I want you to notice how important it is to guard your heart. Solomon, who the Bible says, besides Jesus himself, was the wisest man to have ever lived. He said, above all else, guard your heart. It's, it's that important. Above everything, think of all the good things, the important things in the Word of God. And Solomon said, above everything else, you've got to guard your heart. Now, why is that? He answered it in the verse that we read. Because it determines the course of your life. Everything you've ever done, every thought you've ever had, everything you've ever felt comes out of your heart. And there is nothing that happens to our heart, to, to, in our lives that doesn't come from one of those three areas in our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's why the enemy attacks us there. He knows that he can cripple us or he can steer us off the course away from the abundant, purpose-filled, kingdom-focused life that Jesus died to give us. He died so we can live differently than we're living now. So it's important that once we get our hearts healed, that we stay healed, that we learn how to guard our hearts. So let's dive in and figure out how do we guard our hearts. Here's the first, the first thing that we have to do is make the escape. Make the escape. A question, a great question to ask is, and part of how I developed the message was, how did Jesus stay healed? How did Jesus live when he was on the earth? How did he do it? How did he keep himself from falling victim to the traumas and the tragedies that were around him, the things that were being said and done to him and all around him? And I want to show you that process in Jesus' life. In Matthew 14, in verse 10, um, so John, this is John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist was beheaded in prison and his head was brought on a tray and given to a girl, uh, and she to, uh, to the girl, and she took it to her mother. That's a sordid and twisted tale. You can read that at the beginning of Matthew 14. Later, John's disciples came for his body and, and buried it, and then they went and told Jesus what had happened. Now, please pay attention to verse 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. When you go through something painful, something that's a challenge to your mind, a challenge to your emotions, there has to be a time of spiritual reflection. You've got to spend some time. Jesus was upset about the death of his cousin. And look at what he did. As soon as he heard, he jumped in a boat and headed for a remote place. He wanted to get alone with God. Listen to me, We're, when we go through something painful, our first response, sort of our natural response is to withdraw from God 
and then just go tell everybody about it. Just go spew all of that stuff that's, that's been building up inside of us. Listen, don't do that. Don't do that. It is not going to make anybody, least of all you, feel any better. Make the escape. Close your mouth until you can get alone with the Father. Why? Because you can't trust yourself until you get God's perspective on the situation. And let me show you this. This is something that, that I read on a fairly regular basis because we have to be reminded of this because this goes so counter to what the world teaches us. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, God said through the prophet Jeremiah, the human heart, any humans, any humans in here? The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really even knows how bad it is? And that's not talking about just the heart of the serial killers. That's not just the heart of the meanest and nastiest person you can think of in your life. That's not just the heart of the person sitting next to you. It's your heart and my heart. They're deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We have to make the escape and spend time with the Lord. Why? Because when we get wounded, we get wounded in our hearts, right? Our mind, our will, and our emotions. We have to, we have to go and get healing in our hearts because our hearts will lie to us, will blow things out of proportion, and will create stuff that we, that we don't need to be saying or doing or, or feeling. Now remember Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. We talked about this last time a couple weeks ago. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Again, here's the heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will. Or the King James says, acknowledge him in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. God will show you how to handle what you're dealing with, what to do with the pain. Maybe you've already been through the healing process. Maybe you have to go through it again. Sometimes we we've, we've figure out after a few months, we realize, I'm a, I'm, I've got this stuff again. I've got these pains and this injury again that I've got to deal with. You, you will have to go through the healing process again. It's okay. It's a good thing you learned it, right? It's a good thing you walked through it so that you can continue to be healed again. Or sometimes you have to go deeper on an issue you thought you already dealt with because it's, it becomes in layers sometimes. I apologize for that. <clears throat> Been saving that one for about 10 minutes. <clears throat> so you have to figure out where you are, where the pain is, and you have to figure out what to do with it. Either way, if it may, or maybe it's brand new. Maybe something just happened and, and you're still trying to figure it out. Either way, God is the safe place to go with it. Don't allow the pain to overwhelm you. Get it out with God and allow him to heal you on the spot before it becomes something the enemy can use. The, the Ephesians chapter 4, I think it's verse 26, it's talking about anger, and it says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, right? But then it tells you why. It says, so that you don't give a place to the devil. So when somebody hurts you or causes you pain, you have to deal with that immediately, or otherwise it's going to give place to the devil. To do what? Heart attack. Heart attack. Okay? So we've got to get it out. If we acknowledge him in all of our ways, including the ways that cause us pain, that cause us stress, that cause us grief, that cause us trauma, causes us tragedy, if we will acknowledge him in all of those ways, he will direct us to a path that leads to healing. 
not a path that leads to bondage. You say, well, John, listen, that all sounds good, but you don't understand my life. You don't know how busy I am. You know how crazy things are because everything, every time I try to do that, something gets in the way, something comes up, so, you know, something always comes up and absolutely same for Jesus. Same for Jesus. You think your life gets interrupted. Wait till people start thinking you're the son of God. Wait till people start showing up everywhere you go by the thousands wanting something from you. I mean, you think the paparazzi is crazy these days. You should see what Jesus's life was like. So let's pick up where we left off in Matthew 14 and see what happened. Let's take, kind of take a running start. First half of this we already read. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And then the, the, the account continues. Jesus was just trying to get some time by himself. He was just trying to get some healing for himself, but he wound up stopping to preach and to heal other people. Listen, life doesn't stop just because you're hurt, does it? Life doesn't stop. You have to, sometimes, you just have to take a deep breath, handle your business like grown folks without spewing all the poison and the pain and the hurt all over everybody else. You know what Jesus did? He, after he preached and healed, he fed them. He fed them. They'd been there all day, and Jesus is like, I can't send you home like this. So this is the feeding of the 5,000 men. When you throw in women and children who are obviously there as well, probably more like 20,000 people. And then what did Jesus, have you ever tried to make 20,000 people sit down with no PA system, with no like electronics, nothing? That's exhausting. I was a teacher for 10 years. Just making my class sit down was exhausting. 20,000 people. So then what did he do? He sent the disciples back across the, on the boat. I think that was strategic. I think Jesus like, maybe if they see the disciples going back in the boat, they'll think I'm with them and they'll leave me alone for a minute, right? Then he sent the crowd away. And then look at what he did in verse 23. Matthew 14 for 23. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. He stayed until he got his healing. He stayed and dealt with it and processed it and went through what he had to go through. He didn't let the busyness of his life prevent him from getting the healing that he needed because Jesus knew above all things, he had to guard his heart. He knew he had to acknowledge God in all of his ways, including the ones that broke his heart, and caused him pain. And after he spent some time with the Father, he caught up with the disciples. You remember how he caught up with them? Walking on the water. That's why he wasn't in the boat in the first place. And the rest is history. But in the center of that story, the whole reason all of that happened is because Jesus was going to a place to grieve and to heal. So I want you to notice how Jesus prioritizes spiritual self-care. You have to. This wasn't the only time Jesus did that. Look at Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And he's not going out there to be prayed for. He's going out there to pray. 
Notice, that's how Jesus avoided heart attacks. And that's what we have to do too. And it's not just the big things. Sometimes our bondage comes from an accumulation of small things. You know, if you wrap, if you wrap your two fingers with a thread, I know we don't like sew anymore. Y'all remember thread, right? You wrap thread around your fingers one time, you can pop that pretty easily, but do it 10 times and see how hard it is. See what kind of pain it causes you to try to separate. It's different. It's not just, it's not a chain. It's just a little thread. But if they accumulate long enough, they're going to cause problems in your life. If you're going to guard your heart, you're going to have to make the escape. Here's the second way to guard your heart. It's related to the first, and it's this. Refuse the bait. Refuse the bait. Look at Matthew 18. It's a very specific word, and I want you to see where it comes from. Jesus said, what sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. Jesus warns us that our time on this earth is going to be filled with opportunities and temptations to sin, and boy, ain't that the truth. Like, do you ever get up on a day and there's just no temptation to do anything outside the will of God? No, and you never will on this side of eternity. But when you look at the original language of the verse, it's really talking about, Jesus is really talking about a very specific temptation. It's talking about being offended, being hurt by somebody. It's a, it's a temptation to sin by allowing the pain of that hurt to become a root of bitterness in your life or to cause you to hold a grudge. The Greek word that was translated temptation there is actually the word scandalon, and it refers to the bait stick that holds a trap or a snare the bait stick. And when you take the bait, the trap falls. The offense is the bait. And guess who's the one trapped? You are. If we're going to guard our hearts, we're going to have to be determined to live a life that's unoffendable. Unoffendable. We've got to refuse to take the bait. Well, how do you do that? By making the escape. You, you get alone with God and you take up the issue with him. When we get hurt, when we get offended, most of the time, okay, so I'll say for me, this is usually what my prayer is like. I know none of you good Christians would pray, ever pray like this, but when we get offended, don't we pray like, God, defend me, God, avenge me, sick them, God. Y'all ain't never prayed a sick prayer, have you? Go get them, God. Make them pay for what they did and the way they made me feel and the way they hurt me, right? We, we're, we're the, the prayer is folk, and we feel so spiritual because we prayed about it. I'm not sure God's all that excited about the prayer, but maybe it's a place to start, right? We're focused on getting God to get them, to punish them. And, and, it, and it's kind of natural to want to protect yourself from further harm. But remember what happens when you take the bait. You feel protected by the walls around you for a little while until you realize those are not walls of protection. They're walls of a trap. And you're the one on the inside. So what would happen if we prayed a different prayer? What would happen if we refused to take the bait, if we made the escape, and then we prayed something like this? Instead of God sick them and God defend me and God avenge me, what if we prayed, God, would you heal me? Lord, would you heal me? God, that hurt. 
Would you help me? God, help me understand what's really going on because sometimes what you think's going on ain't what's going on. Right? So God, help me what's really, what really happened here, God? Enlighten me. And then the longer you pray that kind of prayer, you can move into true humility and start praying the way Jesus would have wanted us to pray. Right? God, show me what I did wrong. Show me what I did wrong. God, forgive me for my part. God, cleanse me. Cleanse me from, from not only from my sin and, and whatever I did as a part of that, but Cleanse me from the anger. Cleanse me from the hurt. I don't want to carry this mess around. I don't want to live wounded. Would you cleanse me from all that? Cleanse me from the desire for revenge. Forgive me for that because I know that's only, that only belongs to, your, to you. Lord, would you make my heart pure towards that person? And then, and then you, you keep going and you can get to those really godly prayers that Jesus says we have to pray. God, would you bless that person who hurt me? Would you bless that person that hurt me? Don't, don't hold it against them, Lord. Pray the prayer that Jesus prayed on the cross. Forgive them, Father. Forgive them, Father. Don't hold it against them. It would come to this, eventually, if you pray long enough, and maybe that's the problem, we don't pray long enough to actually put our minds and our, our souls in neutral to hear what God has to say. If we pray long enough, we get to that revelation where we recognize God that person's hurting too. That's, a per- that's your child too. And they're hurting too or they wouldn't act like this. They're being deceived by their pain or by the enemy. God, would you heal them? Would you heal them? Would you deliver them? Would you set them free? Would you help them? Would you, would you bless them? You see how you started all about yourself and you end it all about somebody else? You see how that's different? You see how that would change everything? You see how that would keep you from allowing the the offense to do damage to your heart? Then it it wouldn't wound your emotions. It wouldn't occupy all of your your brain power. You wouldn't think about it constantly. It, It wouldn't cause you to make decisions based on the pain. You dealt with it, not according to your understanding, but according to God's plan. And sometimes... That'll even mean humbling yourself and admitting that you actually caused that other person to react that way. The the times that I've prayed through enough offense, a whole lot of the times, I realize I had some of the I had some of the responsibility as well. Not always, sometimes, but that's between that's between you and God. That's between you and God. You see how unity in the body of Christ could be achieved if we all practice this? This is not for us to point out for somebody else to practice. It's it's for us to practice it. It's for us to pray about it. It's for us to humble ourselves. Uh, If we all focused on refusing the bait and keeping our hearts clean and pure before God, you talk about power in the church. You talk about prospering as your soul prospers. What an incredible, abundant life we could live if we learned to guard our hearts in this way. Now, if you will allow me, this might seem like a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think you'll understand uh, the significance of it in, in a minute. You ever wondered how it is that the enemy knows how to offend us? 
How is it that he always knows what bait to put out there in front of us? Like he gets it every time. How does he do that? Well, we're supposed to guard our hearts, right? Isn't that what Solomon said? But we get on social media and we expose everything that we think, every opinion we have, every emotion we have, everything we feel, every decision we make, we just put it all out there. Or if we're more old school, we get on the phone. Or I guess you could write a letter if anybody does that anymore. You just, everything, whoever will listen, you just blurred everything you think, everything you feel. What's wrong with that? We're exposing our heart and our soul. We're supposed to be guarding our heart, not posting our heart. No wonder it's so easy for the enemy to get us. We're doing all the work for him. We're giving him the playbook of our lives, and then we can't believe we're in so much bondage. Can't believe people keep pushing our buttons and offending us. Quit telling the enemy how to get you. Don't just refuse to accept the bait. Refuse to provide it for him. Right? Okay. Moving on. You're welcome. I ain't mad about Facebook. So don't preach or preach negative about Facebook. I ain't mad at Facebook. We just got to be smart. Got to be smart. Make the escape. Refuse the bait. And then close the gate. Close the gate. A gate is access to something important, right? It's access to something important, something of value that you want to protect. You don't put a fence around stuff that don't mean anything to you. You don't put a fence around stuff that's not important to you. So in this context, a gate is access to your inner man. It's access to your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have to guard it. You have to restrict access to your heart. Why? Because your heart determines the course of your life. It's worth repeating. As your heart goes, so goes your life. So doesn't it make sense that you should close the gate to your heart? It doesn't mean you become a hermit because that has its own set of, of consequences, but it does mean you need to set up checkpoints, set up gates, make decisions about what gets in and what doesn't get in to your heart, to your mind, your will, and your emotions. So what are you going to read? What are you going to watch? What are you going to listen to? Those things affect how you think and how you feel. Don't just mindlessly allow media into your head. Close the gates. Close the gates. So, so, so John, what standard should I use? How do I decide what gets in and what doesn't get in? How, how, do I, how do I know when to close the gate and when to open the gate? Well, here's a good place to start. Philippians 4, verse 8. Now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true, what's honorable, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable. Think about things that are excellent, things that are praiseworthy. If it doesn't fit this criteria, don't open the gate. Don't let it in. That means some of the stuff that you used to watch or read or listen to or some of the places you used to go is just not going to work for the new healed version of yourself. Not going to work. What about the people you hang around with? What about the people you allow to influence you? Close the gate. Everybody doesn't deserve access at the same level as, ever, as some other people. 
You can't just open yourself wide open and let just anybody and everybody have access to what you think, how you feel, and what you do. You can't. Don't allow people in your life who are negative, people who are bound, people who are not spiritually minded to have a place of prominence in your life. You're like, well, I work with a whole bunch of them. I'm just going to quit my job. Eh, might not need to quit your job just yet. But you do have to close the gate. Don't let them have unfettered access to your mind, your will, and your emotions. Don't let them dictate what you think or how you feel or what you do. You can't. Stop asking them what you should do. Stop asking them for their opinion, right? You can't do that. You say, well, John, listen, I I just don't let people affect me that way. Really? You're the one person who's unaffected by the people in your life. Let me read two verses for you. Proverbs chapter 13. He says, walk with the wise and you become wise. Associate with fools and you get in trouble. You're not affected by the people around you. Solomon said you were. What about the apostle Paul? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. He said, don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character right? We preach it to our kids all the time, right? You don't need to be hanging around with that one. We need to take our own advice. Spend time with people who are wise and want what's best for you. Discipleship is about iron sharpening iron, right? It's me depositing life into you and you depositing life into me. People who are in bondage are drowning. They're drowning. And lifeguards will tell you, a drowning person is the most dangerous person because they will pull everything and everybody down with them. So limit the influence of people in your life who are not going in the same direction you're going in. A hurt person is never going to lead you to healing. A bound person is never going to get you closer to deliverance. A lost person is never going to influence you to become more like Christ. So take a look around you. Take a look around the the people who are closest to you, the people who speak into your mind and and tell you about their feelings and what you should feel and what you should do. Take a look around those people because that's what you're going to look like in five years. Because you naturally gravitate towards their thought processes and their patterns and their feelings and their attitudes. Close the gate. Change your influences. Change your influences. So make the escape, refuse the bait, close the gate, and here's the last one. Maybe the most important one. Fill the space. Fill the space. Here's Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Jesus speaking again. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, ah, I'll return back to the person I came from. So it returns. It finds its former home is all swept and in order. And the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. Well, John, I don't really believe in all those spirit things. Jesus did. Listen, freedom doesn't make you immune to bondage. Deliverance doesn't make you immune to attacks. Healing doesn't make you immune to illness. 
Jesus came to sweep your life clean. He wants to wash away all of that pain, all of the painful stuff and the sinful stuff, all of the stuff that connects you to the sin and the trauma and the tragedies and the pain, everything from your past. But listen, after he does that, it's up to you to fill yourself up with the right things. It's not just about reducing or eliminating the negative. It's also about increasing the positive. Read and watch and listen to things that make you better and make you more like Christ. You have to learn new ways. You have to do new things. You have to follow new paths. You have to find new influences. Why? Because if you just keep doing what you've been doing, you're just going to keep positioning yourself for more pain. And if you don't fill yourself up with the Lord, you're leaving yourself wide open for even more pain and more heartache and more offense. Jesus said it was entirely possible for someone to have experienced great healing, great deliverance, real healing, real deliverance, but wind up worse off than they were before. Once you get free or once you get healed, you've got to go fill yourself up with the word of God. You need to start reading more than you've ever read. You need to start listening to worship music, Christian music, more than you ever have. You need to listen to good, solid, biblical teaching. Learn to walk in your healing. Learn to walk in your deliverance. Learn to grow in the Lord. Learn to serve other people. Why? Because you're filling that space up with the pain that used to be occupied by the pain and the trauma. you got to fill it up so there's no more room for that stuff to come back. What else do you have to do? Fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit. I would highly encourage you, no matter what your experience has been in the past, once you get healed, ask the Father to baptize you in the Holy Spirit after you've been healed. Why? Because a lot of people have a hard time receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit because of their past trauma, because of the heart attacks. Especially people, <coughs> excuse me, people who are offended with God or people who've been raised in environments where they were either abusive or critical. And that it alters the way you look at the Father. It alters the way you look at the Trinity. So once you've gotten healed and set free from that, you might be surprised at how that changes everything. And so when you ask him, you pursue God and you pursue his spirit again, but this time with an open heart and with, with, a, healed, with a healed soul. And fill yourself up with worship. Fill yourself up with worship. Spend time worshiping God in the presence of the Lord. You say, but John, that's, it's just weird. I don't know really what to do. It's uncomfortable. I know. It takes time. It takes time. It was a 17th century man of God named Brother Lawrence. He, had, he published a book all those years ago that said, practicing the presence of God. Practicing the presence of God. It takes time for us to renew our minds and to recognize that we are always in God's presence. And we should always be aware of it. We, we should always be walking in it and responsive to it. So when you're full of gratitude towards God for everything that he's done for you, when you're full of the wonder of his majesty, you're not likely to fall for the bait of offense or to ignore him when he shows you how to deal with everything. You say, John, like seriously, you're going back to the old cliche Christianity. We should pray, read, and worship. Are you kidding me? That's all you got this morning? Did you not have time to study this week? Like what in the world? Listen, you have to, what's, what's Proverbs say? You stop leaning to your own understanding and you start acknowledging God, right? You can't acknowledge God and his ways without prayer 
and the Word and worship. In prayer, you acknowledge His power. Otherwise, you wouldn't come to Him. In worship, you acknowledge His presence. In the Word, you acknowledge His principles and His precepts. There is simply no substitute. It's not cliche. It's foundational. It just is. So listen, getting, getting healed from your heart attacks is, <clears throat> is exhilarating. It's a spiritual high. People come, man, they, 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 they are on fire. It's like they're launched out of a cannon. They're experiencing everything for the first time. Don't allow yourself to cool off. Stay on fire. Stay on fire. You naturally drift and tend towards, uh, towards lukewarmness. Don't do that. Keep yourself full of the things of God that'll help guard your heart and prevent yourself from getting full of hurt and pain again. And I want to I remind you of this. Don't forget, don't forget what it felt like before you got healed. Don't forget how hard it was. Don't forget what that was like. Because if you think getting healed and delivered was difficult, try doing it again after you've allowed yourself to fall back into worse pain and worse heartache, get healed and stay healed. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Now listen, I want to encourage you, if you haven't heard the first three messages in this series, go back and listen to them. And it's it's not for me But you have to get the Word of God about this healing process. You can't guard your heart really until you've healed. So you got to heal first, go through the process of healing, and then you can maintain that. It's like just taking vitamins. It's like taking vitamins when you really need surgery and antibiotics. All right, so you got to get first things first, get healed then you can stay healed. But I want to I want to show you this in, in the Word. I want to leave you with this reminder about why we're doing this. What is this all about? The goal is to be able to experience the rich, abundant, kingdom-focused life that Jesus died to give us. The, the, the life that most American Christians are living is way, way, way beneath what Jesus died to provide. The enemy tries to steal and kill and destroy us with the traumas and the tragedies of our lives, these heart attacks. Jesus came to save and to heal and deliver and set free. So look at John chapter 16. I want you to see it in the word. Then we're going to pray. Jesus said, I've told you all that this, that, that you may have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You'll have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, cheer up, Jesus says, because I have overcome the world, right? He said it's finished. It's finished. He's already done it. Because he overcame, we can overcome. Above all things, guard your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions. Get healed and live healed. It's not just a good way to live. It's God's way to live. Why don't you stand with me, please? Whole bunch, whole bunch of different people in a whole bunch of different places. 
Some of you haven't even started your healing process. Some of you may be like me and you started the healing process, but do you realize that once you start the process of getting healed, the more you recognize your need for healing? So like this week, I thought I'd taken care of the big, the big issues in my life and I keep going, oh, I got to go deal with that too. Oh, I hadn't forgiven that person. Oh, so you, you're just going to see it everywhere you go. Once you kind of get the, the heavy stuff off first, then you start recognizing the lesser stuff. Is it as traumatic as the first few things were? No, but it's just as important. It's just as important. So you, you just learn to walk in this constant process of, of healing. So maybe you're in that spot. Or maybe God is, is just challenging you today. You recognize you've got to do a better job of guarding your heart, but you're not exactly sure where to start. Whatever it is that God's leading you to do, whatever is next for you, then I want, to, I want us to pray about it. This altar is going to be open. I'm, I'm, it's always open. I'm going to pray. And then you're welcome to come and pray about anything in your life, whatever's going on, whether it's in response to this message or this series, or maybe you've just got something else going on in your life. Just come and pray. Come and pray. Nothing ever changes when you try to deal with it by yourself. Come and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Let's pray. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.